0: it's a blob it's a muscle it's it's an engine
1: okay hi i'm kayla
0: and i'm pete and welcome to how i hobby
1: we're two pals and hobby obsessives with over a hundred hobbies between us
0: and we're always on the lookout for more
1: join us as we talk about all of our hobbies
0: and talk to people we know about their really cool hobbies
1: welcome to how i hobby In today's episode, we've got a great interview with Izzy Franca, who is an upstanding member of the hobby community. Mm -hmm.
0: But first,
1: Pete, how do you hobby?
0: I'll tell you how I hobby. I play the Northumbrian smallpipes.
1: Pete, what are the Northumbrian smallpipes and how did you get into this?
0: Well, the Northumbrian Smallpipes is a small bellows-blown type of bagpipe from the northeast of England. Yeah. Uh, And they are, when people think of bagpipes, they think of the big, the, the the Great Highland bagpipes, big Scottish things that are really, really loud. Northumbrian small pipes, they're played with some bellows under your arm rather than blown into it. They're much smaller. You can sing over the top of them. You can play them indoors. They're much more mellow, lovely, lovely sound.
1: So you don't blow into them at all?
0: No, no, no. You have that's That
1: for, is for, so cool. So you're sort
0: of squeezing, you're flapping like a like a. How hen. much do they
1: weigh? Are they heavy?
0: No, no, not at all.
1: Can you stand or you have to sit when yeah, you play them? Yeah, you can
0: stand, you can sit, you can run about, yeah.
1: Pete, how did you get into this?
0: Um. So... I was doing my PhD.
1: Yep. Humble brag.
0: Humble brag. I'm Dr. Peter Faulkner. Yeah. And, uh, <laughs> so for my PhD, uh, which you can check it out at Seatonsnook.com. It's an archive of sounds and music from an abandoned seaside town in the Northeast of the UK. Cool. And for that, I was writing some music for the Northumbrian small pipes. Cause that's uh, an instrument from the area. And, uh, I- when I'm writing, when I'm composing for something, I want to give it a go. Yeah. So I hired a set from the Northumbrian Pipers Society. Wow. Uh, who are the loveliest people.
1: Shout out to the Northumbrian Piper Society. Yes.
0: So when I went up to collect them from a lovely bloke called Nick Leeming, he played a set for me and I have been playing music all my life. I've played all sorts of different instruments, but this is the first time that just the sound of the instrument almost brought a tear to my eye. It wow. was so beautiful. I just thought, I've got to play these. got to play these things. Absolutely wonderful. And so I'd been listening to uh, music by, for example, Catherine Dickell. You should definitely check her out. Pauline Cato, uh, Chris Ormiston, and uh, and then old players like Tom Clough and Billy Pig. All these, all these great, fantastic names. Um, and what I think is the most important thing about this hobby, and I honestly think taking up the Northumbrian Small Pipes is one of the most important and rewarding things that I've ever done mm. in my life. Wow. The reason is because um I had to get to grips with the fact that I wasn't great when I started. Mm. I'm still not great now. Mm. You know, I'm fine. Mm. But this was something that I was doing because I liked the sound of it. And when you are not amazing at something, you get very discouraged very, very quickly. So I really had to get used to this idea that, oh, actually I'm crap, but that's okay. That's awesome. Because I'm enjoying it and it's really, really great. But I also think that all teachers and all music teachers should learn a new instrument every once in a while just to remind themselves what it's like to be right at the very very beginning but yeah it's, it's cool. a beautiful thing it's a great sound I that's love so them.
1: humbling what a humbling experience oh they're
0: marvelous they sound great the
1: cool cat, the i ca- mean
0: the cat's not happy with them
1: though. no fair but i can also attest that it is a cool sound because i did hear you in a performance this weekend using them
0: yes yes yeah. indeed yeah they're lovely aren't they
1: yes okay. pete thank you so much for sharing that was really wonderful you're very welcome and now to our very exciting episode Izzy Franca is a silly lady who has written and starred in videos for the likes of BuzzFeed and Vice. She's also worked in diversity and inclusion and will soon be starting a counseling psychology doctorate. Izzy, how do you hobby? Oh, Kayla, I hobby by doing stand-up comedy. Cool! Excellent! <laughs> Izzy, tell us more about this. What does it mean to do stand-up comedy and how would
2: you get into it? Uh, that is, wow, so for me, what it means to do stand-up comedy is to perform once or twice a week at different open mics around London, sometimes do like semi-pro or pro spots if somebody likes me enough. Uh, how I got into it, um, this doesn't sound very feminist, but a boy was a boy, <laughs> and in love with a man, a stand-up comedian, and then that went awry. <laughs> but I kept the love for comedy, so that was a good plus. But I also got into stand-up comedy because I've always been like an actor, a performer. Grew up kind of like being your classic theater kid, and wanted to try doing something new that kind of combined all of the things. So that's the real reason I got into it. Izzy, for for our listeners who are not
1: as familiar with stand-up comedy, can you explain the difference between uh, an open mic versus
2: a semi-pro versus a pro? So an open mic is when you're starting out and really people do it for years. Like people who have been doing comedy for 20 years might still go to open mics. So it's a space where you can practice newer material or older material that you want to polish. Um, you, usually in London, you sign up in advance because the British open mic scene is very admin heavy. <laughs> but a lot of places you might show up on the night and put your name in a in a hat, in a proverbial bucket and then be able to go up on stage and perform five or ten minutes of stand-up comedy. Um, so that's an open mic. You are not going to get paid. But boy, will you be paid in laughter <laughs> and love. Or lack thereof. Yes, or yeah. silence. Yeah, honestly, lack thereof usually. But yeah. um, And then a, a semi-pro night is a night where, you know, some of the comedians may have been going longer. You might have been going a little bit longer. You may or may not get paid. Usually you will get paid. Um, and you're at a certain level and then a pro level is like you know you're doing this most of the gigs you're doing you're getting paid you're like potentially a known name potentially a non-known name but still like respected in the circle that's the thing with comedy right like and any hobby I think when you're really deep into something you know all the people and the important players but like the average person may not know who the hell that comedian is, but yeah. you're like, oh my god, it's blah blah
1: Yeah. So,
2: good
1: <laughs> so is it, you've been in comedy now for two years, said it? Uh
2: no, about a year. About so a year. Still very early. Allegedly, you're still a new comic for the first five years. Okay. Allegedly.
1: And what would you say is your favorite thing about Stand
2: Up as a Hobby? My favorite thing about Stand Up as a Hobby, I love the people. Um, it's full of delightful weirdos myself included um and like just very interesting characters and I love that it makes me feel creative every week like it gets you out stimulated out of your comfort zone doing something that has a a deadline like being on stage even if it's in front of five people in a basement is a deadline that you have to meet and I really need that for my creative pursuits otherwise I'm just going to sit around and talk about how creative I am and never do anything
1: are your fa- is, are your is your family in the creative space? Like what do they think about this hobby? Uh
2: so my family have always been super encouraging again like little izzy was like a theater tyrant. Um so I think they're happy that I live in my own home and I don't like practice on them. <laughs> <laughs> Circa like growing up and being like it's Thursday, it's Friday, it's time to like do my family play for you for four hours.
0: Sweet. Um, so they're very encouraging. Oh,
2: yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. They're very happy that I'm pursuing something creative and enjoying it. Um, they're definitely happy that I have a day job slash other interests, and they're very clear. They're like, we love coming to see you in a basement <laughs> with three people, yeah. but <laughs> don't. Quit your paying job, yeah. <laughs> but keep performing. We love
0: you. I always say this to my like to my students and and people I work with that if you the idea of having a day job to support your hobby, it's not a bad thing. It doesn't mean that you failed. It doesn't mean that you're not good enough. It it just means we happen to live in a society that doesn't really like paying for art and doesn't like paying for you know comedy and music and dance and this kind of thing. So if you need a job to pay, you know, to keep the lights on Mm. you can, it means that you can afford to keep doing your comedy. So I I want to ask, I want to ask a sort of a a technical question, I guess. So you say you don't use your family anymore as Guinea pigs. Um, So when you're writing a set and when you're, you're working things out, who do you test it on?
2: Mm. Such a good question. I think, Honestly, you have to test them in rooms, which is why open mics are so important and why people will always go to them, no matter the level. Um, obviously, if you're, you know, Kevin Hart, I'm imagining you may go to a t- few open mics, but you also have like a team of writers. Um I too have a team of writers, <laughs> <laughs> unpaid, paid in exposure for me. Um, but I will tag them in the, in the show notes. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. tag in the show notes. No, So my team of writers would be like my best friends, people who know me well, but then also other comics who I've met through the circuit through doing this hobby. Um, and it doesn't always work out. Sometimes you think someone's hilarious in like a conversation, but the two of you on stage and in your kind of shtick or persona it's like you're kind of star-crossed not star-crossed lovers that's the wrong word but (laughs) like missing each other's point Mm. so I think it's really important to try things try things on crowds in rooms try things a few times in different spaces and send things to to people you trust
1: I love that. Yeah. The um, I think the persona piece is really interesting, right? Because that's, uh, that's a big part of stand-up comedy, right? It's an extension of yourself. How would you define, to get a bit technical here no too, no how, how would you define your stage persona? I think it's
2: almost something that other people have defined for me mm. in a way. Um, so I get a lot like, happy, very smiley, very intense, high energy, which is true to who I am as a person. So that's like a further extension of who I am. But I think obviously as a person, I'm much more nuanced and layered and gray and angry. And some of that doesn't always come out on stage. Um, But they say you figure out your persona and you change your persona over time. Mm. So I've only been doing it about a year. Um, And so right now my persona is kind of like, millennial older sort of 31 year old going back to university being around 20 year old trying to fit in with Gen Z and like trying to remember who she was when she was like cool and worked at BuzzFeed back in the day <laughs> so I get a lot like of that where people are like oh you're like this like primary school ukulele playing artsy woman yeah. who's like getting with younger men and trying to be cool you know so I don't know if that's a persona other than like rest out 31 year old.
0: I think we're all of those things. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. We're all aging people trying to sleep with younger men.
2: <laughs> <laughs> Fuel, <for> <laughs> <laughs> um, so your point around like telling your students that, you know, there's no shame in having a day job or mm. things taking time, I think is so valuable because certainly I grew up in a space that was very, like, do all these hobbies so then you can get into university or college in the US and then, like, you'll be successful. But then, like, once you get that real-world job and you climb that ladder, like, you let go of those hobbies unless they're a side hustle. Like, we're very obsessed with side hustle. And I know that part of that is, like, the society we live in, capitalism, the system that we live in, it's so hard to afford anything and to live. But I think increasingly people are recognizing the joy in hobbies again. Yeah. yeah, And I think we lost that joy for a while, including myself. Like sometimes I do stand up for the wrong reasons. I do it to be like, okay, I need to get better and I need to be the best and faster and be recognized. And if I do X number of gigs, then I'll go into this space. And But it doesn't make me necessarily like it more. Mm. And what makes me like it more is the playfulness and the fun piece of it and the experimental piece of it. And that's what a hobby is to me,
1: yeah. I love that because yeah. I think you've picked you've you've mentioned two different points here, is like the joy of the hobby and how you can keep that like how how you can keep the parameters of it must bring joy in order for it to be something that you want to continue doing because mm-hmm. I mean, Pete and I also I will speak on your behalf, like yeah. fall victim of, You do a hobby and then you get into this weird headspace of a hobby and that you either need to commercialize it or you get really intense about it rather than keeping it for the joy itself. Um, And I think the other thing that you mentioned was around... if something is not a side hustle. And it's one of the things that Pete and I have been thinking a lot about as we've created this podcast Mm. about hobbies, right? If you quit your day job to pursue your hobby and that becomes what you do, you know, 20 hours of the day, is that still a hobby? These are all really interesting questions that have come up through this podcast. Um, But I think the difference between side hustle versus hobby, there has to be something about it bringing joy. And there has to be the curiosity and the experimentation around it. So that all makes a lot of sense, which leads me to my next question here, Mm. Izzy. Um what has your hobby of stand up comedy taught
2: you about yourself and life? So I feel like it's taught me lots of things. It's taught me that I am an inherently like creative person and I lost that for a while in the pandemic and it made me feel really really um torn about my identity and how much self-expression and expressing myself as a part of that and expressing myself creatively so it's reminded me that like just if you don't do something for a while it's it's not like it's gone from you like if you look at yourself like sort of this moving growing changing blob like just because part of the blob went over here for a bit doesn't mean that you can't bring the blob back and like like i don't know that's not very wise but (laughs) Basically, it, I really tried to be deep and it didn't work. Um, I'm just going to say, basically, I thought I wasn't creative anymore because I wasn't doing it all the time as a day job or I wasn't, uh, you know, expressing myself every week. And it's reminded me that I'm always going to be creative. Like you're yeah. born this way. Yeah. Gaga said. So it taught me that. And it also taught me that like, I'm quite good at talking to
0: random people. Excellent. Um, and I think that's a skill.
1: I agree. I love that. <laughs>
0: So you said when you started uh, stand up you got into stand up and you uh, you did a course. Um so I mean how you, so how would and I think did you do? I did music? yeah. I did as well. Yeah. Um, and then one gig. Um <laughs>
1: I've done 50 gigs but yes. It's not a competition.
0: Yeah, no, it's not a competition. No. <laughs> <Yes. Yeah. laughs> but how Everything's would you, a competition. But if people wanted to get into into stand up comedy, how would you advise they they the go about it? What's a good way of getting into it?
2: Lots of ways to get into it. I do think it helps to do a course if you can and you can afford to and you want to because it gives you a tight set of material to work on and build upon. So, you know, you're getting up on stage with something to say, even if you blank or you say different things, you have a framework and you also meet people. And I think in London, especially, the scene is very bringer heavy when you start. You have to bring an audience member and it can feel competitive and weird and stressful with new people. So I think it's important to have that kind of friendship circle. Mm-hmm. So I would say take a course if you can, because it gives you a framework, something to start with, something to say and friends. And then you can always abandon said framework and said friends.
0: Love it. (laughs) Fantastic. Shed them. So um, you've got 30 seconds to pitch us your hobby. Why should people give stand-up comedy a try? Okay, go.
2: People should give stand-up comedy a try because it will make you confident. You'll meet some great weirdos. You'll have a lot of fun. You might meet a life partner, though I don't recommend it. very dark (laughs) rooms and basements and beer. Your, your judgment will be clouded. Um, and it makes you quicker in life. Like, I think it makes you edit yourself better in terms of what's funny or not. And that's a skill in business, in creative fields, everything. So I think you should do it. Also, because like, we're all going to die anyway. Yeah. Might as well die on stage. Yeah. <laughs> that's it. Let's we're... end with that answer. No, I'm kidding. I'm we're kidding. all
0: going <laughs> to die anyway. Might as well die on stage. That's <laughs> it. Getting that as a t-shirt.
1: Izzy. That was brilliant. thank you so much. What I loved about what you were saying is how uh, it has revived this like creativity muscle. this muscle never goes away it's a matter of being exercised at different points in life. Um, and I thought that was really brilliant and I also love the piece about like the skill out of stand-up being the, the ability to speak in a succinct way, both personally and professionally um, and meeting a bunch of weirdos and talking to strangers like as someone that loves talking to strangers, no wonder that's how you and I met. Izzy, before we go, how can people find you?
2: Hey, lad, thanks for asking. Um, so people can find me on
0: Instagram at. Hi everyone! Just a quick note: since recording that episode, Izzy has changed her Instagram handle to uh, "Is She Funny"? I Z Z She Funny, and I can assure you, she is. Now back to the episode. I post gigs and silly things, and sometimes moving things. Hopefully, on there.
2: Amazing! Fantastic. Super. Thanks. Of course. And um, I know I said it was good at editing myself and I feel like I did not edit well on this podcast. So another thing it's taught you is don't be too precious. There you because go. Because you're going to die. You're not perfect. You're going to die anyway. You're going to make mistakes. Yeah. No gig is the same. So that's the fun part. Yeah. yeah. Do multiple gigs before you give up, Pete.
1: <laughs> <laughs> Amazing. Izzy, thank you so much. Thank
2: you. Fantastic. Bye. Thanks, guys. Bye.
1: <laughs>
0: Okay, that was our interview with Izzy Franca. We had a blast. Hope you did too.
1: But before we go, we want to share this week's celebrity hobby.
0: <laughs> did you know Phil Collins is a world-respected expert on the Alamo? <laughs> that's
1: so random.
0: Absolutely true. Isn't
1: he British? Yeah. Isn't the Alamo in America? Yeah. Cool. Okay. <laughs> I love that. And that's a wrap. I've been Pete. And I've been Kayla.
0: Rate and review us wherever you get your podcasts. It makes it much easier to find.
1: And follow us on Instagram at howihobby.
0: <laughs> See you next time. Toodles! <laughs> how I Hobby was written and produced by Kayla Lean and Pete Faulkner with music by Pete Faulkner, artwork by Laura Walsh and animation by Kayla Lean. If you'd like to be featured on the pod, find us on Instagram or email us at howihobby at gmail.com.